Well, uh, I want to share with you further today along the lines of better together. That's our message, better together. I don't know what it is about uh, teaching on marriage and relationships, but it always seems like I should start with a joke. <laughs> Maybe some of you understand that more than me. <laughs> Yeah, I need something to laugh about. <laughs> this was a tech call. Dear tech support, last year I upgraded from boyfriend 5.0 to husband 1.0. And noticed a distinct slowdown in the overall system. <laughs> Particularly in the flower and jewelry applications which operated flawlessly under boyfriend 5.0. In addition, husband 1.0 uninstalled many other valuable programs such as Romance 9.5 and Personal Attention 6.5 and then installed undesirable programs such as NFL (laughs) 5.0, Rugby 4.3, and Golf Clubs 3.0. Conversation 8.0 had no longer runs, and quality time 6.1 simply crashes the system. I've tried running nagging 5.3 to fix these problems to no avail. What can I do? Signed, Desperate. Dear Desperate, Uh, First, keep in mind, Boyfriend 5.0 is an entertainment package, (laughs) while Husband 1.0 is an operating system. (laughs) Like many others, you may be tempted to do this, but please, I repeat, please do not attempt to enter http colon forward slash forward slash I thought you loved me dot html (laughs) and try to download Tears 6.2 which will automatically install guilt 3.0. If you do, husband 1.0 will automatically run the applications jewelry 2.0 and flowers 3.5, but only temporarily. Overuse of the above application can cause husband 1.0 to default to grumpy grumpy silence 2.5 and happy hour 7.0. These are very bad programs that will download the lazy do for the lazy do absolutely nothing beta. Whatever you do, do not install mother-in-law 1.0. It runs a virus in the background that will eventually seize control of 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 all of your system resources. Also, do not attempt to install the boyfriend boyfriend 5.0 program. These are unsupported applications and will crash Husband 1.0. In summary, Husband 1.0 is a great program, but it does have limited memory and takes time to learn new applications quickly. (laughs) You might consider buying additional software to improve memory and performance. We highly recommend Food 3.0, Encouragement 2.0, 2.0, Honor 3.1, and Hot Lingerie 7.7. <laughs> After installing suggested software, back up all your data on your prayer drive.
All right. Maybe that helps just as much as anything else. All right. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis, the second chapter, first book in the Bible. Again, today, uh, I want to abbreviate some of the things I've said in the past two weeks uh, reading this, this passage and then move on. Genesis 2.18 reads, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Everybody say comparable. And then to skip down to verse 24. Verse 24, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, the, the, the whole concept and, and revelation of one flesh is kind of the foundation of this teaching. Of course, the, where we got the, the, the title, Better Together, originates from one flesh. In other words, God had a design when He uh, came up with marriage, and that is we would, that we would do, I say we, husbands and wives, would do life together. All right, not just live together, not just ha- have the same last name, but they would do life together, and that's in in all facets. We would do lo- life together. The goal is not to make marriage work, simply because marriage does work. It is a God design. The goal is to simply do marriage. What often people are doing is they call it marriage, but it's not. It's a human invention of something of some other sort, but it does not look like when uh, the, the, the relationship, the institution that God originated in the beginning of a man and a woman becoming one flesh. We've defined that some in the past weeks already, but I would remind you, and I want to focus in on these, uh, kind of these two elements today, but thinking and acting as one is the key. Thinking and acting as one instead of two is the answer to doing relationship, doing this, this family thing God's way. Uh, basically, what we want to do is avoid all thoughts and actions that divide. If I can not entertain wrong thinking, and if, then if can, uh, of course, if I can stop doing <laughs> things that are interrupting the relationship, I'm laughing, okay? Because it's almost like if I leave it alone, it will work. But we interject these wrong thoughts and ideas and behaviors. It's kind of like how the Apostle Paul described the church. Uh, how he, how he described the body of Christ, you know, being a body. There's hands and feet and heads and so forth and, and different Functions have different purposes. Let me read this part from 1 Corinthians to you. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty six. He said that there should be no schism in the body. No schism or, or, or division, we could say. That's similar to what we want in our homes. No division in the body, but that, that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members... Uh, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And so, just as it is to be with the body of Christ, it is to be with the husband and wife. All right? Different members, but we're looking to avoid anything that divides. Any schism whatsoever to be allowed inside. In short, we could say it like this. If, if my wife suffers, I suffer. If, if my wife rejoices, 
I rejoice. Something good happens for her. It happens to me. It, it needs to be that way. It's not, well, that's her problem. Well, that's his problem. No, not in the, not in the one flesh relationship. Her problem is my problem. And my problem is her problem. And, and so forth. We see this. We start rooting for the team. <laughs> rooting for each other. We're lifting each other up in, in, instead of, you know, letting these things become a division. I, I like, I, I like the idea of finding common ground. If we're in this together, if we are one, uh, in what areas of life can we fully agree? Can we do together often? Um, in other words, there are things that there are things in every relationship. I think that you both love, you both enjoy doing together. There are other things that one person loves to do, and the other person is kind of okay with. They'll do it without dying. And then there are other things that one or the other may enjoy doing, and you'd rather just uh, say, "You go ahead." <laughs> But can still be supportive in. In other words, you like that, you go, girl. <laughs> you go do it. You go enjoy that. I don't have to be opposed to it or, or frustrated or angry about it. I don't have to be, stand in the way of it or be annoyed because, you know, she's doing her thing. No, she's enjoying it, so she's happy. I'm happy. Even though some things that, you know, with us, there are some things that I like to do. Um, uh, many things we do together, and we enjoy we enjoy spending time together and just hanging out. But I like to fly. Some of you know that I like to go flying. She doesn't love that. Now she doesn't hate it. She'll go, and she'll go and, and occasionally. But most of the time, if I want to go flying, uh, she doesn't want to go. <laughs> right? I can, but I can do that alone. She can be happy for me when it's not. And sometimes we can do it. Do it. We can do it together. Right? Uh, she. Uh, well, I like, I like to go scuba diving as well. I don't, you know, it's not frequently I do that because we live in Idaho. <laughs> uh, but I like to go scuba diving. That's one of those things she doesn't want to do occasionally with me. She wants me to do on my own. <laughs> At the same time, she loves to do things like go to, uh, she loves tea, go to tea time and that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I can handle that, I guess. And I don't mind tea. I like tea a little bit, and uh, but I don't want to do that all the time. Uh, but th- at the same time, when she wants to go to antique stores, no. <laughs> I support you in that, sweetheart. <laughs> or go garage sailing. <sighs> that is torture. <laughs> it's amazing. How are we even married? Here's how. You go. I'll do something else. I, I support you in that kind of. <laughs> but it's important for us to recognize we're in this together, so we need to do life together. And so we're, we're giving grace to one another. Grace to, to be who we are and do what we like to do and, and make decisions. But never can it be like, uh, you know, we're, we're letting it grade at us because I don't like to do this and, and so forth. Basically, the devil wants to divide your thoughts. Um, he, let me say it a different way. He wants to direct your thoughts concerning your spouse. Turn over with me to a, a familiar verse in Philippians uh, chapter 4. 
Philippians, the fourth chapter. And, and again, if I can't be one in thought, then it's going to lead to some other bad things. But in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, you might know this. It reads, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, how many know that verse works in all of life? You could, I mean, read that every day this week and you'll be no worse off. <laughs> Guarantee it. But think about it in the context of, of your married folks, in the context of your spouse. What should you think about them? What's true and noble and just and pure and lovely and of good report and of virtue and praiseworthy things? If you were to control your thoughts and control your meditations and only dwell on those positive characteristics, the things you enjoy about your spouse, what would happen to the relationship? I tell you good things. I I believe it's probably somewhat humanly normal for us to recognize faults in people. Recognize, especially if we live with them. We're going to recognize what they didn't do or what they did wrong or something that annoys us. We're going to recognize it. But how many, rec- uh, how many understand that, that meditating on that, playing it again and again, thinking about it constantly, is a relationship killer? It is, ap- it is of absolute zero value to focus on what someone else is doing wrong and think about it every day. You will be miserable. It'll eventually, you know, what's, what's in your heart will come out of your mouth. To meditate on what someone does or is or is lacking uh, or something that's wrong in any way has no value. To make this one flesh thing um, happen in life, we basically almost have to ignore each other's shortcomings. I don't mean ignore in the sense that you could not ever have a discussion about negative things. You can once. <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? If something's really a, a deal, you can have the discussion, and I recommend it. There's right ways and honorable and godly ways to have discussions about disagreements. But the problem is when someone doesn't change or they don't change immediately, that we start stewing. And that's, those thoughts get bigger and bigger and bigger. And before you know it, we can hardly stand to see the person. Because they just annoy us so much. And why won't they do this? Why won't? We've got to control our meditations. If we will. Man, I tell you, that's when things come together. All right? We've got to focus on positive attributes and showing them love. Focus on what's positive. Focus on similarities. Focus, ultimately then, on Jesus. Now, see, you kind of went left turn there. What do you mean, focus on Jesus? Do you know there are ways to get closer to your spouse without trying? I'm going to tell you the best way to do it. And this is for, obviously, if you've got two believers in a marriage, which is God's best, His plan. If you've got two believers in a marriage, um, you can get closer to each other without even trying. Without saying, hey, let's get close to each other. 
it's, it goes back to the old tri- triangle. Have you ever seen the triangle illustration? Okay, you got your shape, and you've got husband and wife and Jesus. And I think this is the best way possible. In order for husband and wife to get close to each other, they don't have to work on getting close to each other. In fact, if they go like this, that's really not ideal. Meaning they're on those bottom corners and they're getting closer and closer to each other. Just get closer to Jesus and you automatically get closer to each other. And when Jesus is at the center of it all, I tell you, that's the foundation for a great relationship. When a couple can worship God together and believe together and deal with the challenges and struggles of life and the attacks of the enemy together and get in faith and believe God and come in here and worship God. I tell you, they're on a good path. And this is God's design. It's the way that He made it to be. This is, this is why I, I don't teach a, a series like this very often. I don't do it every year. because It's because of this principle. I, I believe I can teach on marriage indirectly all year. In other words, if I, can, uh, if I can convince people to have a good prayer life, if I can convince them to walk in love, if I can teach people to live by faith and follow God's plan for their life and have a, have a good uh, worship life and serve and, and do all the things that we know, that's just being a good Christian. How many know that person is a joy to live with? It really is. Uh, it, it's when, it, you know, it, it's the, some of the deceptions that sneak in sometime when a person said, well, our, we both have a great relationship with God. We, we're just really tight with the Lord. Both of us are, but we just don't get along with each other. I don't think that's a, that's a true statement. See, I don't think your relationship with God is as good as you think it is. Hallelujah. Well, I just love to worship the Lord. What? You love music? <laughs> you love how you feel? Because that's not being a mature person. <laughs> Loving how I feel in the midst of any situation. Of course we love to feel good. In one sense, of course we love to feel His presence. I mean, if you've ever experienced the presence of God on you, you like it. I'm, I guarantee you, you like it. It's good. It's better than ice cream. It's better... It's just the presence of God is a wonderful thing. And for someone to say, oh, I just love the Lord. What do you mean? You love it when His presence goes boom? Of course you do. That's like saying, I like heaven. (laughs) Of course you do. There's no opposition. It feels wonderful. But how many know a mature person learns how to deal with uncomfortable? They learn how to deal with with when it doesn't feel good. How did I get off on that? I didn't plan to say that. Uh, You came in faith, though, didn't you? If anyone came praying, Lord, just give me an answer. Uh, <laughs> just want to encourage you to be open to it is what I'm saying. First uh, Peter chapter 3, if you would. First uh, Peter, it's a right turn close to the end. First Peter chapter 3. And, uh, and notice, notice what the scriptures say, uh, scriptures say over here in verse 7. You can read the whole chapter and, of course, get a lot of wisdom. 1 Peter 3, 7, Husbands, likewise dwell with them, meaning your wives, with understanding. Everybody say understanding. <laughs> Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. All right, that goes back to that other illustration I was giving accidentally. Uh, but my purpose for reading this, notice dwell together, uh, dwell with them 
with understanding. Understanding is a word there for knowledge. But it's interesting. It's not about revelation knowledge. It's not about, Lord, just open the heavens and show me great and mighty things of heaven and your kingdom. The knowledge there has to do with basically natural knowledge. How should a husband dwell with his wife? Well, he should study her. He should pay attention. He should listen. He should watch and see what she likes, what she doesn't like, what she's good at, what she's not, her skills, her, her gifts, and so forth. That's what it's talking about. Dwell together with knowledge. Understand her. Know her. Why? Because you're doing this together. He says you are heirs together of the grace of life. That goes back to one flesh. If you're doing it together but don't really know that person. I, I, learned, this from, I, I learned this from my wife a few years uh, number of years back, took me several years to catch on, but uh, how, how if we'd be in a store, and she, she would watch, pe- watch things that, that people like, and she, she would know what people are interested in if she saw them in a store looking at stuff, right? Am I saying this correctly? She's not sure. I should have you sit right here while I preach, because <laughs> I know you all check on her every now and then to see what she thinks about what I'm saying. <laughs> But then, uh, but it, it's, a, it's a thoughtful process because then come birthdays or Christmas or something, she can't, she'll buy stuff way in advance. We've had, we have a closet at our house. Can, is that secret? A, clo- a present closet. Because things exist in there that she was able to get a deal on. And she knows these things will be good at this time. And anyway, uh, it's important though. But dwell together with knowledge not revelation knowledge. Watch them. Amen. Now, I want to read to you uh, a, a story. I, I read this a few years ago. My wife said I could read it again. That's not, that wasn't too recent. I hate to repeat. Um, this is, let me, let me just, I, can, I guess I can preface it, but now I'm going to read first, and then I'll tell you what I'm going to say. Uh, a newspaper columnist, uh, George Crane, tells of a wife. He, he was a minister as well. He, t- he tells of a wife who came into his office full of hatred toward her husband. She said, I do not only want to get rid of him, I want to get even. But before I divorce him, I want him to hurt as much as he has hurt me. Yikes. So uh, Dr. Crane suggested an ingenious plan. He said, go home. And act as if you really love your husband. Tell him, tell him how much he means to you. Praise him for every decent trait. Go out of your way to be as kind, considerate, and generous as possible. Spare no efforts to please him, to enjoy him. Make him believe you, that you love him. After you've convinced him of your undying love and that you cannot live without him, then drop the bomb. Tell him that you're getting a divorce. That will really hurt him. With revenge in her eyes, she smiled and exclaimed, Beautiful. Beautiful. Will will he ever be surprised? And she did it with enthusiasm, acting as if. For two months, she showed him love, kindness, listening, giving, reinforcing, sharing. When, when, When she didn't return, Crane called, Are you ready now to go through with the divorce? Divorce, she exclaimed, never. I discovered I really do love him. 
<laughs> Basically, her actions had changed her feelings. Motion resulted in emotion. The ability to love is established not so much by fervent promise as it is repeated deeds. And so, here's what I was going to say. Repeated action will change how you feel. We said we're going to focus today on thoughts. Don't meditate on the wrong thing. Again and again and again. But then, repeated action. Some, some would call this, fake it till you make it. I really, I, I'm not so much, in, I don't really like fake anything. Um, well, I like Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> That has fake sugar in it, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so let me clarify, be honest with you here. Uh, but I would call it being in faith, acting in faith, finding repeated actions and doing them again and again, believing that as you're doing them, that God is getting involved in your, in your situation. Don't we do that with, uh, with other areas of belief? If you pray and ask for something, how many know faith prepares for the fulfillment of that promise? When you get off your knee and say, thank you, Lord, I believe I receive, amen. You start making preparations. If you're believing for a a car, you, you know, you're probably checking out, you know, the cost of the car wash, you know, monthly thing. You know, if you're believing God for a house, you're making, you're starting to pack. If you're believing God for, for healing... And you're making plans for the vacation, even though you, you know, going there with the, with the crutches would not be very fun. You're ma- In other words, when you believe something, you start preparing for the fulfillment of that prayer, of that, that thing. Amen. Financially, physically, whatever, whatever it is. When it comes to our relationships, when we believe something, it changes our actions. We start preparing. That's why I say we will start acting a certain way even before. I'm not emulating this story, but taking one principle out of it. Uh, we will start acting a certain way in faith. Well, I'm not going to do that because... But if you will, and do it again, and do it again, and do it again in faith. Treat them like they are the most wonderful, wonderful person on the planet. And do things for them repeatedly again and again and again. Think something might happen inside? I tell you, often what, what we think is the issue is not. Sometimes it is. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes the issue we think it is, is an attitude in our own selves. It's an unthankful attitude. It's a negative attitude. It's something inside that is blinding us from seeing things the way God does. And seeing the potential and seeing what can be. And if I can't see it, I can't be it. If I can't imagine it to be true, then I'll never walk in it. Everybody okay today? If you don't do what you can do while you can do it, there will come a time... When you can no longer do what needs to be done. We have a brief moment, don't we? And sometimes there's an expiration date on our window. Why? Well, there could be a number of reasons why. But right here, right now, I believe the Spirit of God wants to direct people to take action in their relationship. 
to take con- make concrete change. It is the hardened heart that won't allow people to do things differently. It is the tender heart that will allow an individual to begin humbling themselves and making adjustments, admitting to, admitting to, to handling things in an improper way. doesn't mean you're a horrible person. doesn't mean there is, no, there is no value. It just means I've got to be moldable and changeable and let the Spirit of God work in me. Jesus said, Luke 6.31, And just as you want men to do to you, do also, or <laughs> you also do to them likewise. That's often called the golden rule. Right? How do you want to be treated? Treat them that way. Well, I will as soon as they will. <laughs> You're stuck. <laughs> Stinks to be you <laughs> and to be married to you. <laughs> But when we will take the first step, when we will step out in faith and believe that God wants to work in our situation. And so since marriage works, period, how can I simply cooperate with the natural rhythms of a godly marriage? What can I do that's just normal within the context of what God designed to be, uh, to be amazing? I, I think about the physical body. We recognize that there are some things we can do to our physical body that generate good health. If we eat and sleep and, um, you know, and exercise and don't worry, if you just do those things, you're probably going to have good health in your life. I know there's some exceptions, some things that attack people and so forth. But you you do some of the basic elements and your body's going to be healthy. What happens to a healthy body? If someone has a healthy body, most diseases are going to bounce off of them. Most viruses that come along, they might attack, but it's like your immune system is so strong and healthy. It's just like almost, almost nothing. Whereas, whereas another person who is a very unhealthy individual, one small thing might knock them out for weeks. And you just bounce back real quick if you are in a healthy situation. Likewise, it is with marriage. Okay, When someone has a strong marriage, they're not constantly struggling. I don't know if that sounds like a, uh, I don't know, a strange concept. Depending on what someone's history is and what you've experienced, some people think, well, like we said earlier, they say marriage is hard, it's difficult. Actually, there's a whole lot of people who hardly ever have any problems. They really don't. We don't. <laughs> so how do you know? Because we don't fight. Someone said, everybody fights. They don't. I don't mean it's perfect or we don't ever see things differently, but not much. You can get into a healthy rhythm and it's just natural. You're flowing with God's design and you've set this, you know, you know, you ate and you slept and you exercised and you didn't worry and you're, you're just healthy and it's a nice place to be. I don't mean there's nothing, never anything to overcome, but often you overcome together. And, and it's, the, it's the way that God designed it to work. What are you doing that promotes health in your marriage relationship? What are you doing? What actions are being taken? What's happening that promotes a strength, a health, a vitality that, that resists all kinds of problems? Sure is quiet today. 
Some have, have likened our relationships to a bank account. We know how bank accounts work, right? If you make sufficient deposits, then you can write checks. But if you don't make sufficient deposits, if something comes up and you need money, your checks turn rubber, right? And, and it, that doesn't work out. The relationship, the marriage relationship is often that way in the sense of those who are healthy and strong are such, are that way because they make more deposits than they do withdrawals. They're putting something into the relationship. They've established habits and practices that are not always sucking the life out of the other person. Sucking the life out, but they're adding to it, adding to it, adding to it. Then, if there's an issue, there's a disagreement, there's a there's a there's an argument. It's like it hardly touches you. I mean, you've got fifty thousand dollars in the bank, and oh, a surprise one hundred dollar you know repair bill came up. It's like I'm not even going to hardly think about it. Big whoop de doo. But write the check. I've got fifty thousand. What if you could live in your marriage relationships that way, where you are putting things into it constantly, 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 constantly? Might things come up that are hard? Yeah, but it's going to be gone in a few hours. You'll overcome the issue. Put this in an emotional category, an emotional bank account, if you will. It's like when you've been withdrawing, 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 how many know when you're sitting there right at the, at the zero line and then something big comes up or there's a big disagreement or a big fight or something comes up, man, now you're, in, now you're going into the red. Now it's a, major, it's a major event that's taking place. What I want to avoid in, in, in life and marriage is everything becoming a major event. Huh? I, I, I learned that some with, with raising kids, how certain periods in their life, they would lean towards drama. And we taught them not to do that. We have one left. She's in the other class, right? <laughs> taught them, stop reacting like that. Stop making every little minor thing the end of the world. No, we're not going to do that. Stop. Then I turn on Star Trek or something. Learn how to deal <laughs> with things in a non over the top emotional way. Let's just look at the facts right here, right? And 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 what happened is well our old, uh, Whitley came to me when she was about 16, 17 years old and she came thanking me one day. She said I just want to thank you. Really? Did I do something right? <laughs> For what? She said that you wouldn't let me act like that. Because she had come from some friend's house. And she said it was chaos. It was drama. Everything was the end of the world. And she's sitting there looking at it thinking, you guys are overreacting. And I thought, praise God, I did something right. <laughs> but she, she, came, she came back and she was able just to deal with stuff without it being the end of the world. I want it to be that way in life, personally, individually. I want it to be that way in our marriage where, yes, there's junk in life and there's things that happen. But when you're strong together, you've been pouring into it. When you're on the same page, meaning what? Haven't been entertaining negative thoughts repeatedly, repeatedly, again and again and again. Thinking what is good. And then have been using the repeated action function. 
repeated action to make sure there is a reservoir of of love and goodwill and support and 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 strength there so so where we can handle the things that uh, come against us in life amen hallelujah